This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Aftershocks. And if you haven't checked out these headphones, what are you waiting for? Aftershocks has come up with a safe way to listen to your music that sounds really good. It has an open ear concept so you can hear traffic. You can hear anything around you that you might need to hear while listening to maybe your podcast, maybe this podcast, or your music. The audio quality is excellent, and you get up to eight hours of listening, plus water resistance and a lightweight design. I am loving Aftershocks. I actually had no idea how much I would love them until I started wearing them, and I got on this train, and I can't stop talking about them. So you guys, if you go to another.aftershocks.com, you can get $50 off an endurance bundle. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Again, go to another.aftershocks.com and use the code ANOTHER to get $50 off endurance bundles. All right, today you're listening to episode 205, and I'm bringing back returning guest Noah Drotty. Noah was originally on this podcast episode 107, so make sure you go back and listen to that. He is returning to the show after running a five-minute PR in Chicago at the Chicago Marathon. He had a huge race, and it was really exciting to hear him talk so fresh off the marathon. Noah is sponsored by Saucony, and he has a 61-minute half-marathon PR and a fresh new marathon PR of 211.42. He runs with the Roots Running Project, and follow him on Twitter because he's a fun follow over there. He's I Built the Arc over on Twitter. And you can find him on Instagram. He is Noah underscore Drotty. Uh, Noah is originally from Indianapolis. So, you know, you know, I geek out on that because I'm super proud of the city that I live in. All right, friends, I have two events coming up next Friday, November 1st, New York City, interviewing Sarah Hall, Kellen Taylor and Roberta Groner with the New York Roadrunners at their run center. That's at 1 p.m. on November 1st, Friday, November 1st, and then The following week, Saturday, November 9th, I'm hosting a live podcast, a really special event that I've been planning for months with Dina Castor and Sally McRae. I hope you'll be there. Link to get tickets to both of those events will be in the show notes for this podcast at lindsayhine.com. And then one more thing I want to mention. I started a podcast network. I'm really proud of it and I'm really excited about it. It's called Sandy Boy Productions. And right now there are two other shows in that network other than this podcast here. The first is the Illuminate podcast. And I host that myself with three other friends. We rotate hosting. And in that podcast, we share stories and perspectives of those working to spread light and illuminate others through their business, their work, their community, and their families. And we've got some really cool stories on this podcast. We've got Ian Morgan Cron. He's an Enneagram expert. Gary Brackett, a former NFL player and motivational speaker, Stacey Heine, who is a plant-based educator, and she has so many wonderful things to say about plant-based eating. We've got George Swerwer, a social entrepreneur and founder of Building Tomorrow, a nonprofit that builds schools in Uganda. They've built over 78 schools in Uganda to date. If you haven't checked out the Illuminate podcast yet, what are you waiting for? 
And the other podcast in the network is the Up and Running Podcast. My friend, Lauren Flores, she is the host over there and they bring you up to date, up to speed on all the running news going down today. So I'm really excited about future shows we're going to bring onto the network. And if you love this podcast, I think that you'll like these shows as well. So thanks for being here. Thanks for giving Sandy Boy and the podcast in the network a shot. And let's go ahead and get this conversation started with Noah Drotti. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Noah Drotti. How are you? Uh, thank you. Doing, doing well. Just uh, relaxing here in, in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, I just got a little uh, little hello from your girlfriend Emma. I kind of want. I kind of think it would be fun if she joined us. You, you think so? But I know you're concerned. You want to make sure it's about you. I, I do need this to be about me, but uh, I'm sure she'd be happy to jump in uh, at at any time. Um, your Instagram <laughs> post about Emma was super cute. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the support systems for these kinds of things are sometimes go. Uh, you know, without a lot of recognition, but it's really not possible without them. Yeah. You know, so Noah just had a really, everybody listening, Noah Drotty had a breakthrough race in Chicago just recently, ran a 211 and he, I'm, I'm referring to this really nice sentimental Instagram post he wrote about his girlfriend, Emma. And, you know, I was listening back to an old interview you did on another podcast and I think it was like two years ago. And you again mentioned Emma and that. And then two years later after, like, I think it was you talking about when she kind of said, hey, I think you really have a chance at making the Olympic team and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get behind you. And now, you know, you had that great race in Chicago and then you you uh, gave her all the love on social media. Yeah, she uh, she definitely stayed uh, true to her word and has uh, has been you know, unwavering and, you know, these marathon buildups, like, yeah, the race is one day, but the, the buildup for it is sometimes four months. And that's not always uh, super easy on a, on a relationship when one person is, you know, kind of consuming more of the resources and is generally unavailable because they've poured so much of themselves in, into, you know, running or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's something, you know, it, that she deserves, you know, the minimal amount of recognition that I can give her for sticking with me through all that. Yeah. Okay, Noah, so a lot has happened since we last, last talked. It's like so much has evolved in your career. Um, when we last talked, I believe you had just only ran the one marathon. You had run the 216 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you had recently, somewhat recently, signed with Saucony and, and started running with Roots and so now here we are a couple years later and you just ran the 211. Um, I'd love to hear kind of, let's start with, let's hear about the race. How, um, how do we want to break this down? I got to see you. I don't know how much you're like paying attention to people cheering, but I feel like I have a kind of a squealy voice and yeah. I cheered for you multiple times, at least four times on the course. Did you hear me? Um, I'm sure I heard you. <laughs> um, but a lot of the time, yeah, it's really hard to pick out individuals, um, you know, along the course because one, there's a ton of people out there, but two, it just, I, I think we're just so like kind of Zen-like in the moment that it's, it's really hard to like pull your mind away, um, from the road for a minute. But I, I, we always hear people and, and it goes a long way. 
Yeah. Okay. So I saw you at 2, 14, 17, and 25. Um, and you were packed up in most of most of the times I saw you. So can you kind of give us like a little bit of a fun play-by-play of the race? Yeah. So I, I think to kind of describe the backdrop to the race, there were a ton of Americans in the field who none of whom had really proven ourselves in the marathon yet. And so I think we were all very committed to going out there and setting kind of a fast pace from the beginning and just seeing what we could do. Um, I think the the state of American marathoning right now is there aren't too many guys who have kind of broken through. And so I think we all wanted to run 212 or under just to prove that we, you know, belonged in that Olympic conversation. And so none of us went out there to run 215 you know we we had kind of eyes on the sky i guess and so we just kind of got into that big pack and for the first 20 miles not not a whole lot happened we just uh settled into a rhythm we were running just just about five minutes a mile and just kind of clicking clicking through it in terms of the first 20 miles it was definitely the smoothest um that i've ever felt um through that you know through that distance. And then when we got to 10 K as things do, they kind of, they didn't unravel, but you know, I started working a lot harder and the group kind of split up, um, over the last few miles. But for the most part, it was a cooperative effort. And I think we were all working in uncharted territory and just hoping to have a breakthrough day. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how many American men went sub two twelve. I mean, it's, it's just, looking back at what we've seen it's like I, I don't know if I heard you say it or you just said it now but it's like everybody kind of woke up and did, maybe you tweeted that is that what you did you tweeted that yeah. yeah yeah I'm I'm reciting a tweet I don't have it memorized but um yeah it's like everybody kind of was like okay we can do this um can you talk about the American men a little bit more and I mean you got those two guys too that were unsponsored like where did that come from yeah, so it's the first time in history that 10 American men have run under 212 wow. in the same race. Wow. Um, so in that regard, it was the deepest you know, American marathon of all time. And, and honestly, in the last few years, only a handful of guys have broken 212. So to see so many do it um, in one race was really cool to be a part of. But yeah, so the, the top American, Jake Riley, he lives in Boulder, Colorado now. He's a Stanford alum. Um, his PR was two thirteen, um, but that was from four or five years ago now. And, you know, his, there's a great article out about him. So I'd, I'd encourage people to look for it, but you know, he totally resurrected his career. That two ten kind of came out of nowhere. If you look at his recent results, but he's a huge talent, um, unsponsored right now. Gerald Mock, who is second, just graduated from Colorado state. Um, in his debut, he ran two ten, which is the fifth fastest debut of all time. Wow. Uh, Parker Stinson went from 214 to 210. Um, you know, every every American in that pack PR'd by multiple minutes. I PR'd by five minutes. Um, yeah, so there were no, like, proven marathoners in that top 10 of Americans. It was just all guys who were like, well, this is a great opportunity, so we're just going to go for it because we think on a good day we can. Yeah. Um, got a good day. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, note to the listeners, I have sent Jacob Riley a Twitter DM to see if he will come on the show. So 
Um, we'll, we'll report back if he does. <laughs> I have not heard back just yet. Um, so that's so exciting. Um, and I love that too, because you, I mean, so you, your half marathon PR is 6148. And so I think that everybody looks at that on paper and is like, no, Adrati can run a really fast marathon too, I'm sure. So did you feel like coming off of your spring season when you ran that 219 in Rotterdam that you've, do you, I don't know if redemption's the right word, but do you feel like you've you've done what you've set out to do at this point now? Yeah, I mean, this is a time that I I really felt capable of running back in April. But you know, when I when I decided to like go all in on the marathon, what I think what what's hard to realize is that the marathon is almost a totally different sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's twice as long as anything else I'd raced, and so. I didn't have, you know, kind of the immediate success that maybe I thought I deserved because of my 61 minute half, um, you know, I went to Chicago in 216. Um, I was supposed to run New York last year, um, but I got hurt and didn't make it to the start line. And then, you know, in Rotterdam, I ran 219, which was way off what I was hoping to run. And so I felt like I kept being like, okay, I should be a marathoner. So like, why am I failing? so often like, why am I so far away from the marathon or that I think I can be and that I like desperately want to be and so to finally go out in Chicago and see a 211 next to my name it was like I, in a lot of ways I felt like my marathon career like began on Sunday it's like okay this is the place where I felt like I should have been all along and you know now where can we go from here what happened like in between and how did you pick yourself up like in between the training for Rotterdam and the training for Chicago what did you do differently um there wasn't a whole lot of differences between my training block for Rotterdam and my training block for Chicago um it was just I think the last few weeks logistically were very different because in Rotterdam I was obviously like I ran the New York half three weeks before and then from that point onward, I didn't come back to Boulder. I stayed mm. in Tennessee, and then I went over to Europe, <clears throat> um, you know, a couple weeks out from the race. And and I was, you know, looking back on it, I was I was just not very happy during that time. Like I I was in good shape, but I was also like pretty isolated and alone because I traveled over there alone before Emma and my coach came out. And so by the time the race came around, I was just like kind of ready for it to be over so I could come home. Yeah. Um, and so my headspace was just not very good. I was also putting like a ton of pressure on myself because at that point, um, Scott Fobble and Jared Ward had not run their 209s in Boston. Mm. And so I was like, I was kind of the first guy up in the marathon season. And so I was like, oh, I can go, if I go out and run 210 or 211, like I'm going to be the best guy in the country. Mm. And I kind of put that pressure on myself to to be the first guy to kind of break through in the marathon. And so as soon as the day started unraveling, I was just like, you know, kind of a head case. But fast forward to Chicago, you know, I was in a much better spot. I did all my training in Boulder um, with my teammates at Roots, and we had a good buildup together. I had raced several times. You know, I was just like, when I got to Chicago, I just felt like prepared, but more importantly, just like, I, I was happy, like everything in my life outside of running, I felt was pretty solid. And so 
I could get on the start line just focused on like the two hours ahead of me. Yeah. You know, that, that I find that interesting. And I've wondered about that, like traveling to international races and stuff. Like I feel like that would affect me personally, like very significantly, just the, the jet lag, the being away from home for so long. And, and like you said, traveling on your own, like, I don't know, I don't like traveling by myself. So that's, that's interesting that, that you think that probably heavily weighed into, you know, what the result was for that day. Yeah, I, def- I definitely learned a lot. Like, you know, I hope to race internationally again. Um, but now I know that, you know, it's probably best for me to fly over four days before. Instead and of just, stay that long. Yeah. yeah. And just deal with the jet lag and, and whatever. And so, you know, I definitely learned a lot. Um, but I came away from Rotterdam being like, wow, that was a missed opportunity. Okay, so you feel great after Chicago. You feel really good heading into the trials now. What's on your mind? I know I'm. I know you can't ask. Uh, I can't ask you what's next because you also tweeted that. Um, I, I did like to go to jail if you ask that. Yeah, I just did a quick like. I built the arc Twitter scroll to like make sure I'm not missing anything important before we hopped on. Um, but yeah. but I do know that like you're running in the trials in February. So where's your head at with that coming off running the two eleven and and placing seventeenth in Chicago? And also, honestly, gosh, with all those other men who are literally right with you. Yeah, I I haven't um, thought ahead quite that far yet. I know it's not <laughs> far away, um, but in a lot of ways, Chicago like was my Olympic trials. Like, yeah, I I had a lot to prove. Um, to myself, because I, you know, on paper, I was not on the contenders list, you know, with my 216 PR. And so I felt like I really had to have a good race there before I even like, thought about the trials. And, and so now, you know, we're a few days away and the trials will, will be the next marathon, obviously. And so, yeah, I don't know, I'm still resting. And then, you know, I'll have a lot of work to do. The trials course is, is pretty different than Chicago in terms of the elevation gain and and turns and all kinds of stuff. And so that'll be a unique challenge in and of itself. But I think I can definitely approach the train block now. I'm not sure where I am on the descending list of American marathoners right Mm -hmm. now, but Mm -hmm. I I think I'm in the top 15. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm in the top 15, if, if barely in the top 10 or 11. But anyway, so, you know, I definitely have to approach it as if I'm a contender for the Olympic team. And you know, nothing is guaranteed, but I hope to be on the start line with a legitimate shot of putting myself in that conversation. Yeah, I feel like there's so many of you, yeah, right in that 211 range that it, any, it could be anybody's spot for that third spot or even second or first spot on the day, like on the right day for you. Are you good at uh, Hills? Um, it kind of it depends on what day you catch me on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I've definitely done courses before where I felt really strong on the hills and I'm like, man, I'm a pretty good hill runner. But it, then, uh, you know, like I ran rock and roll Philadelphia, which is super flat until the very end. There's like one sharp hill. I ran that as my tune-up to Chicago and I hit that hill and just like lost 30 seconds. Uh. Um, you know? <laughs> and so it's like some days I feel super strong on the hills and some days I feel, um, totally powerless. And so we'll, we'll, definitely do a lot of specific hill training. And so I think by the time we get to Atlanta, I will be in the best shape of my life in regards to the hills. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
so it's definitely something we're going to be working on. Um, I, I'm not sure if I have a lot of natural hill running ability, um, you know, but that's that'll be a focus in training for sure. You didn't get a ton of hill running growing up in the streets of Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sometimes I've when I've gone back home just to visit family or whatever, I'll have like some kind of hill workout on my schedule, <laughs> and, and I'm just like trying to piece together like. 60 seconds worth of hills around the neighborhood, which is like nearly impossible. But, yeah. um, you know, where I went to school in Greencastle actually was fairly hilly. Um, so, you know, in college, I, I got, a, you know, a lot of hill running. And obviously, now that I've been in Colorado for, you know, four or five years, I, I get that on a daily basis, too. So in terms of my training setup now, uh, I'm in a pretty good spot for it, I think. Yeah. You know, people don't believe me when I say Bloomington is like super hilly. Have yeah. You, you've ran in Bloomington, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would live in Bloomington over the summers between uh, okay. my college. And uh, yeah, there's some super gnarly hills there. For yeah. Because sure. people just think Indiana, flat, Midwest. And I'm like, no, no, no. Seriously. Like Bloomington is very hilly. Like you go out by Griffey Lake and um, here in Indy, though, your only shots like Crown Hill, Fort Harrison, you know. Um, you yeah. have to really search them out. Yeah, the glacier didn't go over, uh, didn't didn't smooth over Bloomington. No, no, it definitely did not. All right, friends, let's take a quick break here. If you haven't checked out the giveaway on my Instagram page with the Donna Marathon, you need to go do it. So um, five days ago, you'll see I'm jumping in the air in the photo over on my Instagram, lindsayhines626. I announced a huge giveaway I'm doing. I'm so honored to partner with the Donna Marathon for the third year in a row. And together with St. Augustine, Florida Historic Coast, and the Sawgrass Marriott, we are giving away a huge weekend getaway. Two VIP entries to the Donna Marathon weekend, round-trip airfare to Jacksonville, Florida, two-night stay at the Sawgrass Marriott Golf Resort and Spa, admission for two to a local attraction of choice, and dinner for two at a local restaurant. This is good. And this will be my third year going down to the Donna Marathon. I will be going and participating in the event again. I've done the half marathon the last two years. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do this year, but I'm serious. This weekend is so amazing and proceeds all go to the Donna Foundation, which helps fund groundbreaking research and also helps support those living with breast cancer. I encourage you to go check out that giveaway and you can see all the details, like I said, on my Instagram page, lindsayhine 626 you can also just go to breastcancermarathon.com backslash another backslash to get the details to enter. It's a form you enter to win. You can also just go over to my Instagram profile and I have the link to register for that giveaway in my profile. I will have the link to it in the show notes as well at lindsayhine.com. All right. And then I want to thank a sponsor for this episode and that is Lola. What is Lola? Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. I am a user of this product myself. For years, I used products where I didn't know what was in the products. I didn't know what I was actually putting into my body, which isn't a great thing. And unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. So no BS mystery fibers or doubts about what's going into your body. I am a huge believer of this and once a month I'm using my Lola products. So this company is founded by women for women and Lola makes your month a little bit easier. They have a subscription service 
Their subscription is fully customizable. You can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. And you do good with your purchase with Lola also. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. So Lola offers pads, liners, and both BPA-free plastic applicator or environmentally non-applicator tampons. And you all listening, for 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter another 30 when you subscribe. Again, for 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter another 30 when you subscribe. All right, let's continue my conversation with Noah Drotty. Talk about Chicago and having the Pacers and whatnot. Because when you ran in 2017, they didn't have the Pacers, did they? No, no Pacers in 2017. Okay, so Um, so was that a game changer? Um, it was. So in 2017, no Pacers. Um, so the whole lead group actually went out together. So I was running in the lead pack through like 15 or so. Um, but in 2017, we actually went out slower. Um, like even uh, Galen, who eventually won the race, went out slower than our pack did in Chicago this year. Um, did that make sense? What it, I was <laughs> yeah, no, it made sense. Uh, it made sense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the way it worked out this year was, um, we had two pacemakers, um, from the Hoka Northern Arizona elite group. Um, and they were scheduled to take us through halfway between 65 minutes and 65, 30. Um, and so we went through in 65, 20 something ultimately, I think. And, and so they were, um, you know, Matt Baxter deserves a lot of credit, um, for steering the group the way he did. And, you know, every every mile split seemed to be between like 4.58 and 5.02. Our 5K splits were super, super steady. And, and, and that's just, it makes it so much easier when you can just zone out and trust that, you know, the pace isn't something you have to think about. Um, you don't have to worry about if it's too slow or too fast because someone is taking that mental burden away. Okay. Uh, and he went through 25K. And so the the real race didn't really start until then um which was awesome and even after the pacemakers dropped out um you know the american pack was pretty cooperative in making sure that the pace stayed honest i think at that point we realized that we were doing something special and nobody was really interested in letting the pace you know lag at that point which was difficult because it was windy on sunday and so um it's hard to go to the front of the pack when it's windy but Mm -hmm. um you know, a lot of guys, you know, Jake Riley deserves a ton of credit for taking his share of the lead. And so, yeah, the, the pace was hot from the beginning. And I think we were all just dedicated to, to again, like putting ourselves in that sub 212 or 212 conversation. Um, and, you know, it's not something we really talked about a whole lot beforehand, but there was definitely like a sense of urgency in the group. Um, I think American marathoners have been catching a lot of grief like why you know why are the, why are these guys running 215 like mm-hmm. they should think 211 they should be running 210 and uh we hear that <laughs> you know and so, <laughs> um and so i think we were all like hey we we know we're physically able to do it like let's give ourselves a chance and uh and that's kind of what we did the whole way yeah i mean you you brought it to the forefront here in this conversation so i'm just thinking about it like yeah i mean women's distance running has I feel like been in the forefront of the news for the past few years and now 
it sounds like you guys are kind of all not not to say that you want the attention over the women, but it's just like the news has followed the women more closely. And so now this is exciting to see the men kind of have this breakthrough in Chicago. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and the news has rightfully followed the women, yeah. um, you know, running incredible. Like in that time, we saw Des win Boston, Shalane win New York. And, you know, there was the depth of American women was on a totally different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're definitely watching that. And we're like, you know, that's that's awesome for them. Like we're huge supporters of theirs. But like, you know, it's about time for us to to dust ourselves off and uh and get ourselves into that conversation too. And so, yeah, we, it, we were definitely like, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> American men have been the stepchild of the <laughs> world. And so, um, you know, the, they, the women have been huge inspirations to me. And I think I can speak for my competitors, um, to inspirations for us. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to finally get ourselves, you know, closer to the, to the standard that they've set. Yeah, that's really cool because it is so true. When you see someone else accomplishing something great, it motivates you to be a part of that conversation too and to just work really hard so that you can also accomplish something great. I love that. Um, talk to me about the Chicago coming off of like Kipchoge's sub two. Thoughts on that. Thoughts on just like the weekend was crazy with the um, – Bridget running the women's world record, like all of these big events happening. So thoughts, opinions, go at it. Yeah, it was a big, big weekend for marathoning. Um, uh, yeah, Kipchoge's effort. Um, he's obviously the greatest marathoner we've ever seen. Um, the, the sub two project happened while we were asleep because it was the night. Um, it happened on Saturday night and our race was on Sunday mm-hmm. or Friday and so I didn't get to watch it live, but we watched uh, we watched it the next day. Um, obviously, amazing, um, an amazing run. Uh, he's the best, no matter what. I think uh, I think the tech, the debate around shoe technology has to happen, um, mm-hmm. but still an incredible run. And then uh, yeah, Kaz guy um, during the Chicago Marathon, we didn't pass her. Our American pack did not pass her until after five k, um, which was unreal yeah. i didn't i didn't realize that there was a woman ahead of us until we came up on her at 5k and we were running 210 pace yeah you know and, and so i definitely saw that and i was like what is happening <laughs> um I, like obviously i understood that you know a world record attempt was on but to go out go out at 210 pace when the world record you know it took a 215 i i was like Okay, she's got a you know this is not going to work out well for her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, this is it's it's crazy that she's going out like this, but there's no way that she's going to finish in one piece. Um, obviously, I was wrong about that. She, I mean, she slowed down some, but not much. <laughs> yeah. To run, you know, to take a minute off of a world record that um, I think most people would have told you was untouchable. Yeah. So I, I was confused when I saw her because, like I said, I saw you guys at too and I saw her first like you said you hadn't catch her till 5k and I was like what's happening I was like did we have a weird start time like it was very confusing yeah I was kind of in the same boat and I mean she had a lead lead vehicle that had her projected pace and 
like a press truck that will follow her the whole way. Uh And so I remember coming up on that truck and being like, oh, that's really cool that they decided to give the American pack its own truck. (laughs) And and because the projected pace was on the front, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, 210, like that's about what we're running. And then I kind of looked around. I was like, oh, there were two women Mm -hmm. tucked in behind the pacemakers. I was like, this is insane. Um, and it was insane. Uh, like, you know, the, the, they were out too hard, but which just shows you that she could have run faster if yeah. she had <laughs> like, conserved a little uh, bit. Yeah. And so it was definitely a breakthrough weekend in the marathon, uh, in several, uh, different, in different ways. Like the bar continues to be, to be raised on all fronts. So yeah, kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, I we when I saw her and you guys at 17 and then I was like this is, seems weird. She's so far ahead of the second female. So we looked up her projected finish which was like 2:14 and we were like, well we better go to the finish area because if she's going to break a world record, like we should witness this. <laughs> like Absolutely. you know, so we um we just kind of were running around the course anyway, so we jogged over to the well, we didn't see her finish, but we saw, you know, mile 25 and a half. So we knew what was going to go down. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there were American men running well who she beat. Yeah. Which, you know, and it was just, yeah. yeah, I was just like, man, this is, this is crazy. You, you could, yeah, to be, it was, it was just unreal. Um, you know, I, I hope the performance uh, stands up over time. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned the shoe discussion has to be talked about. So I just, I, let's talk about it. I just kind of got on researching it a little bit yesterday. I saw a Instagram post that Ryan Hall did and, um, kind of looking through it. So, but my first question with the shoe talk is what shoes were you, I know you were wearing Sauconies obviously, but what exact Saucony were you wearing in Chicago? Yeah, it's not something I'm really able to talk about much. Um, they are a prototype. Okay. Um, and I guess what I can say is that they're a prototype following along the trends of other brands' new marathon racers. Um, so that's about all I can say about them until they're, until they're publicly released. Um, but they're similar to what you see other people in different brands running in. So I guess the question then on just like a general level then is, would you assume that most sponsored athletes out there racing at your level are wearing some sort of prototype from their sponsor? Yeah. Um, yeah, just about a hundred percent. I would say, um, I think there's very few stock running shoes on the feet, uh, on the feet <laughs> of, <laughs> of, uh, of world-class runners. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of always been the case, but now it's it's totally different. Whereas maybe before somebody would be wearing just a custom upper to their shoe, um, you know, now they've got shoes with carbon plates and specialized foams and all all kinds of stuff that I think more than before really does translate to a material advantage um, in the marathon. So this is definitely a new era of of running shoes um or racing shoes and you know i'm not totally sure how i feel about it yet i think most people would say you know we're wearing the shoes so we can compete on a level playing field yeah um which you know i don't really like (laughs) i don't really like that and i don't necessarily agree that it's a level playing field because one brand could have better technology than another and uh you know the shoes that kipchoge was wearing are 
totally freakish. He's the only one racing in those. Okay. But those have, you know, three carbon plates and uh, air pods in the, you know, in the midsole. And so you're getting to the point where you're, you're, they're not shoes anymore or they're a propulsion device. Mm. How do we know all the details of the exact shoes he was wearing? They've just like put it all out there, but nobody else is. Um, there's some articles out there. Um, Nike filed a patent for those shoes that somebody dug up. Um, but for the most part, uh, shoes that you're seeing on ma- in major marathons, those, those all have carbon plates um, and kind of a thicker midsole with a special foam in it. So those, I mean, those are also, you know, levers. You, you could say, uh, I haven't worn all the shoes from other brands, but I would imagine everything is pretty comparable at this point. All right, Noah, how much are my like regular old Saucony rides with my grandma orthotics holding me back then? <laughs> Cause those orthotics <laughs> I, I are heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always hesitant to put a number on shoes because I, I really want to believe that just like the physical performance mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is what matters and that you can have success no matter what kind of footwear you're using. And I think that that's very true. I think it's really on on the super elite level of the sport where you're going to see those those marginal gains um, really be meaningful. Um, so I don't think everyone needs to rush out and get these. You can still run personal bests in, in anything. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting watching spectating a big marathon like Chicago because – you see like all these Nike vapor flies coming by and then like the three hour crowd comes by and slowly the vapor flies start falling off. And it's like, I wonder at what point is it like pretty pointless to, to go that far to buy a shoe that costs $250 to buy yourself 20 seconds off your marathon time when you're running, say a three fifteen marathon, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're in the world of marginal gains, it's like, sure, you could buy the shoes, or maybe you could up your mileage by five miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or or do both of those things. And so, yeah, it's really just, you know, because at the top level of marathoning, you know, there aren't too many people out training anybody else, you know, like ever, everyone's working super hard. And so then you start looking for like, okay, is my, you know, am I eating, am I eating well? Is that 1%? Like, Am I recovering well enough? Is that another 1%? And, and now I think we're to the point where, like, what shoes am I wearing? Is that a 1% performance gain? Um, which I think is kind of a Nikki place for running to be. But, uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. And I think every sport has dealt with that from cycling, obviously, where, you know, you need a very expensive body. Uh, swimming went through the same thing where they, they ended up banning certain suits because they were performance-enhancing We've seen it in other sports, uh, you know, baseball um, with metal and wood bats. Like, there, there's so many examples, and I think running is just starting to deal with it now. You are, um, you're getting kind of echoey. I don't know if you've changed how you're sitting, but. Sorry, am I, uh, let's see. Oh, wow, that's way better. That's way better. Okay, yeah. I, I guess I just moved the phone. Yeah, that's way better. I feel like it's a failed interview. I don't always bring up super topical things like that, but I feel like right now, because everybody's talking about the shoe thing, that it would be a failed interview if I didn't at least ask you your opinion. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 the it's a major topic um, in the sport right now. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, one more topical conversation that you're super outspoken about on Twitter is the the whole doping situation, and that's also something I don't talk about very frequently on the podcast. So mm-hmm. I just love to hear your thoughts on like how are we as a running culture and just the sport and it being a profession for people like yourself like how do we avoid becoming like the long distance running becoming how professional cycling became viewed in the public you know where it's like okay they did great but like who knows if they're clean yeah unfortunately i think we're already there um in terms of anytime there's a great performance it's questioned because of the possible use of performance enhancing drugs because we've seen so many of the world's best um, get busted for that stuff. And, you know, to be honest, running went through, you know, an EPO era the same way cycling did before the test was even available. And so doping has always been, um, has always been in the sport. And so now I think is a good opportunity to clean it up um, with advancements in testing and just, you know, the willing willingness of our governing bodies to, to investigate claims, um, to keep the sport on, on a level playing field. I'm super confident that when I show up to any like national level competition, um, and I'm racing other Americans or most other Americans that, that we're all doing things by the book. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the temptation of doping exists mostly on the super elite level. Um, where you're talking, you know, maybe this person could have been fifth at the Olympics, but with a sophisticated doping program, they could be first. Like those are really, I think, where those discussions happen. And so I'm I'm pretty confident that I'm on a level playing field. And like when I show up to the U.S. trials, for example, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be pretty confident that, you know, 99 and a half percent of the field are doing things in an ethical way. Um, so as a competitor, I don't think it really affects me a whole lot on my day to day, but as a fan of the sport, the cleaner it is, the more faith, you know, we'll have in the eyes of the public. I know. And it's even like with the world record with Chicago, I was like, I want to celebrate her so much and I don't want to be skeptic. And I feel like you can't be skeptic until someone's proven guilty. Like you have to honor that they're innocent, that there's no proof, but it's like, I hate that we even have those feelings, you know, like I just want to celebrate her world record. Yeah, I, I agree. It is, it is kind of a sad state where there is that icky feeling. Um, for me in Chicago, it was more like focusing on what I know, which was Alberto Salazar, the coach of Galen Rupp and Jordan Hesse and former coach of Mo Farah was recently banned for doping yet. All of those athletes were still on the line. Um, and so that that was, well, they were, they weren't found to, they weren't linked, um, to any wrongdoing themselves. Um, you know, but if your coach was, and you were there for years, like, I think people can fill in the gaps. And so that, that was really my main beef with, (laughs) Uh, the Chicago weekend was that they were there. Um, but they're going to be there because they haven't been banned and they haven't failed to test or anything. But, um, you know, I've, I've been pretty outspoken about, about how I feel about that. Talk about dropping out of a race too, because, you know, we saw Galen drop, but like, I was just thinking about your performance in Rotterdam running that two nineteen. like you knew that that race was not 
going well, but you still cross the finish line. Do you have like strong feelings about that? Like if I start a marathon, I'm going to finish a marathon and you know, how does injury play into that and all that? Yeah, I, I don't have uh, a finish at all cost mentality. Okay. I, I think dropping out, um, there's a time and place for that. So, you know, if I, if I were to sustain an injury, you know, I'm not going to run 10 miles on that injury just yeah. so I can say I'll finish, like I'll drop out and save it for another day. In, in Rotterdam though, it was more just like my body kind of quit on me, but I could still run. And, uh, you know, to be totally honest, like sometimes the process of dropping out, you end up just w- waiting somewhere for yeah. an hour. Uh, and so my quickest way in that, <laughs> my quickest way back to the hotel there was to just <laughs> finish the race, you know, and so jog it um, in. Yeah. And, and there, I think there is always honor and finishing, you know, when I crossed the line in 219, I actually did like a little fist pump, mm. um, to myself and not because I was happy with the performance, but just because like, I was like, Oh, that, I mean, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in running was finishing that race. And so there was some personal satisfaction and, and getting to that finish line, even though the result, uh, was devastating. Um, so yeah, in in cases of injury, I think uh, dropping out, you know, totally justified. You got to protect yourself, um, you know. But if I'm able to finish a race, uh, like physically able, I'm I'm gonna do that more often than not. So Rotterdam two nineteen was a f- harder physically, mentally for you than running the two eleven in Chicago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, in Chicago, I still got to twenty miles, and I was like, okay, I can, I can still finish strong. Uh, by the time I got to 20 miles in Rotterdam, my legs had already come out from underneath me. I was, I was barely running. Um, yeah, I mean, I ran, I think 75 minutes for my second half in Rotterdam, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was really going, you know, a minute, a minute and a half slower than my marathon pace by the end of that race. And so, and mentally it's just, you know, when you, when you realize that the race has slipped away and you're not going to get the result you want, but you still have eight miles to run, uh, that, <laughs> that can be kind of a long way, uh, of self-loathing. So, <laughs> so, you know, mentally that was really hard. How'd you pick yourself a backup from that? What was the process? Oh, it took, a, it took a while. Um, <laughs> it, I definitely, you know, took a little time off and kind of reevaluated things and, you know, because you keep telling yourself you're a marathoner, but you have no no proof. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't like, I I really hadn't even shown a whole lot of potential. But but I knew that the training I had done leading up to that race was solid. Like I had done some workouts that I had never thought I'd be able to do. You know, I ran a 14-mile tempo at five-minute pace at altitude. Like I did a lot of really great stuff. It just didn't translate on that particular day. And so I was like, well, I still have the physical ability and that training block, you know, the, the benefits from that training block won't just disappear with a bad race. And so it was more just like my mentality had to shift to like, you know what, I'm just going to keep starting these races until I get the one that goes right. Um, and luckily, thank God it was, it was my next one, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, um, and yeah, so that, that was my mentality shift. It was just like, well, you know, I'm going to stay the course and I'm going to start Chicago and, and that's going to be the one that goes well. And if it's not like, I'm going to start the next one. Yeah. Um, because I knew 
that I had the physical ability. It just like I hadn't gotten the day yet. I just hadn't gotten lucky. I know. It's like that's the one thing that sucks about the marathon is if you show up and you're just having a crappy day, like, ugh, you can't just make it happen. Yeah, it just, you know, we, we prepare, but at some point it comes down to chance. True, um, true, yep. Um, so all you can do is prepare the best you can and, and be hopeful that you wake up on a good one, um, but that's not always going to happen. Yeah, and I I love this picture you posted of you looking kind of honestly miserable in Rotterdam <laughs> and saying that you yeah. the silver lining was you did some great training. Do you know what mile that picture's from? Um, the one I just posted? Um, I think you posted it 22 hours ago. Yep, yep, you just posted okay. it. Well, actually, that picture is from Chicago. Oh, that's Chicago. Never mind. Yeah, so so that picture is Chicago, but the caption I wrote was what I wrote in my training log after Rotterdam. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was kind of a dichotomy of the two marathons. Okay. Now that makes more sense. You do still kind of look a little bit wild in this picture though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, no one ever looks good in the midst of, a, the maybe midst it's of the hair and I, <laughs> it must be. I do see Bridget in the background now that I really look at this picture on coming up on your left side. Like this must be, yeah. has must've been right after you guys passed her at around the 5k. Yeah. So I'm grabbing a bottle in that picture. So uh -huh. that would have been our, our 5k aid station. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. So was the wind super like as a spectator, it was so windy. And in, in this picture, your hair makes it look like it's windy, but what did it feel like as a runner? Uh, it was definitely windy. Um, I think the nature of like big city running is that the wind is very inconsistent depending on, you know, how the buildings are situated and where exactly you are. And so I think we were lucky that there weren't too many long stretches of sustained winds. It would be like we'd get blasted for half a block and then we'd still be going the same direction. But all of a sudden we felt like we had a tailwind. Mm. Um, so it was kind of all over the place. Um, but another I mean, you may have seen our pack several times. We were really like strung out some, almost in a straight line sometimes. And so that's how you know when it's windy. Um, or if we're running into a headwind, we'll, we'll just get into a straight line. Um, and so you'd see like 15 guys strung out single file, um, just trying to get a little bit of a wind block from the guy ahead of us, like the same way you would in cycling. Okay. Um, okay. And, and so we were able to, to do that and on stretches that were particularly, um, windy. So that definitely helped. Um, and that's another part of the, just cooperation of the pack you know it's like everyone realizes that you know we just need to sometimes we just need to use each other as wind blocks um so we dealt with it but yeah i mean it was definitely windy but it was never like stand you up straight you know stop you in your tracks kind of wind yeah how do you decide who's like gonna take turns like how are you like all right it's my turn here i go i'm gonna head up to the front um, well, for the first 25 K it's the Pacers job to mm -hmm. stay front. And so then you just, everyone just tucks in wherever they can. Um, after that, it's just kind of, uh, you know, I think when you're in a pack like that, it's just kind of unspoken that whoever is feeling good will, will go up and kind of shoulder the load for a while, but then it would be poor form to let that person stay out there for too long. And so you'll see people rotating, on the front to keep the pace up. And, and it's usually the guys who are feeling the best who can do that. Yeah. And your, uh, in your other post, you said you reached your marathon, 
you have arrived at the arena of your marathon potential, but you're still sitting in the nosebleeds. What do you mean by that? Well, what I meant by that is like, I really thought that I should have run two twelves a year ago. Okay. You know, like in my mind, this, I've been capable of this for a long time. And so I feel like I'm finally, like, I feel like my marathon career began, <laughs> you know? Sure. And so, and so I'm like, okay, I've proven that I have potential in the event. Like, you don't run a 211 unless, you know, you have a gift for the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think I can break 210. And I've thought that before. I've thought that for a long time, too. And so it's like, this is an awesome step for me, like a very validating step. But it's not like I ran 211. And I was like, okay, well, you know, move on to something else sure. now. It really feels like you know, when I ran 64 minutes in the half marathon, I was like, oh, that's great. That's a huge step. But I think I can break 62. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of the mentality. Like they let me in the building, Yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm not like on the field yet. Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to think about it. Who are you mostly going to be um, training next to with your roots running group? Like, do you have any, who are the guys that you're doing workouts with? Yeah, so uh, Alex Monroe and uh, Willie Milam, they were the two guys who also ran Chicago. They both ran 214. Okay. Uh, we did pretty much everything together, um, and we'll, we'll continue that. They're obviously running the trials as well, and so they're my main, my main guys. Um, we have a couple other guys in the group that focus more on shorter distances, and we'll overlap sometimes, but Alex and Willie uh, and I have kind of formed you know, the roots marathon group and and they were awesome over the last few months so you're still super happy with that program and um you know last time you were on the podcast I asked you who if you could suggest one person to be on my show who would it be and do you remember who you said I said Aaliyah yeah and I've had her on now yeah so that's been super fun yeah I was really uh I was really happy when that when that happened yeah, so I'll have to make my I I make I try to make my rounds throughout like the different distance groups and um I've done a ton of NAS elite people. So I seems like I need to make my way around your training group as well because you guys are doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, um yeah, that'd be great. Uh yeah, I think Alex and Willie would both be uh good choices. Um Alex has been in Boulder for a long time now with our group for a couple of years. Um, Willie moved out here maybe a year after I did and has been with our group the whole time. I feel like you have a really good memory. Last time we talked, you remembered other things too. And I was like, I, sometimes I just feel like people just don't remember things and you just spit that right out. You knew right away that you said Aaliyah. Um, I have a selective memory. So anytime (laughs) I talk to you, I I remember everything, but (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, okay. Well, Thank you for doing this uh, so quickly off Chicago. I always think it's fun to get, you know, timely post big race interviews out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my pleasure. It's always nice to do it while it's fresh. And so, uh, yeah, I'm always happy to talk to you. I hope to, hope to get back to Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. When are you coming soon. back? Well, we're going to Toledo, Ohio next weekend. Emma's being inducted into the University of Toledo Hall of Fame. So wow. we're super excited about it. Um, that would be the weekend I would normally have gone home. So I'm going to have to figure something else out, but hopefully in the next, uh, next few weeks. Is Emma from Ohio? She is. Yep. Okay. So just over the last few months, she has been inducted into her high school hall of fame and her college hall of fame. Okay. What for? 
uh, cross country and track. Okay, awesome. But Emma, Emma teaches. Is she running competitively too? Yep, she's uh, she's getting back into it. She's had a hamstring injury, but she's starting to string together some runs now. And so we'll both be at the uh, both be at the Olympic trials. Oh, so um, it sounds like I need to have Emma on the podcast. Yeah, you should definitely have Emma on the podcast. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, um, I could, I could, I could broker that agreement. Okay, you can set. Are you her agent? Can you set it up? I am her agent. Yeah. So (laughs) she hasn't agreed to that yet, but. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. Well, that's so cool that she's being inducted into the hall of fame. That's, that's great. Are you guys like Boulder lifers now or what? Um, for the foreseeable future, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We have a dog here now, so we've definitely put down roots. (laughs) The dog can't move. The dog dog wants to stay in Boulder. Yeah. Greyhounds don't like change. So (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Noah. Enjoy your rest and recovery. I hope you indulge and forget about everything. Just relax and get geared up for the trials. That's the plan. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye. All right, friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Noah, for coming on the podcast. That was super fun to hear your Chicago rundown. And we are really excited to see What you do at the trials, we are all rooting for you. Friends, go hit up the Illuminate podcast and go hit up the Up and Running podcast. Let's get Sandy Boy Network shows some love. I'm really excited about both of those shows and I truly, genuinely think that you will love them both. Don't forget, you can get $50 off endurance bundles with Aftershocks when you go to another.aftershocks.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. And if you want to get in on these all-natural Lola products, for 30% off your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com and enter another 30 when you subscribe. All right, friends, you can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Check out our group. That's where all the good stuff goes down. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, these next two weeks, I've got Steph Bruce and Ben Bruce coming on the show. Already recorded those episodes. They're going to be really fun. I can't wait to get them out to your ears. Thanks for being here. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.